With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. VOC Nation Wrestling Network, this is the debut of No BS with the Bull, Manny Fernandez, the Raging Bull, and uh, somebody that I can now call a friend. Uh, my name is Bruce Swert. Uh, I, uh, I, I got this moniker called uh, the Voice of Choice uh, when I was doing uh, daytime radio. I My first episode ever, Manny, I, I said, I'm your new voice of choice in the afternoons, and it kind of stuck, and uh, here we are today. But I'm, I'm honored to be the person that you selected to take this journey with you, and we'll walk down the road of your career for the next uh, as many weeks as we can uh, can do this. And we'll talk, we'll share stories. We'll talk about people that you interacted with and we'll have some fun doing it. So Manny, welcome to the VOC welcome. Nation family. Thank you so much, Bruce. I like that. The voice of choice. That's why I'd rather do a podcast with somebody named like that than anybody else. That's a good <laughs> moniker. Great moniker. <laughs> Well, Manny, uh, yeah. you had just a legendary career. And I think for the first episode here, we're going to start with just your background. We had you on, um, you know, I do also uh, wrestling with history with Bill After and Ken Resnick. And we had you on as a replacement for Ken. And that's where we broke the news that you were going to do your own show. But let's kind of start with uh, the beginning. Tell us about how you grew up, because I think uh, from your words, we talk a lot we talked a lot offline 
uh, how you grew up really influenced um, your career and, and really the way you view the world now. So tell me the story about young Manny Fernandez and um, the life that you lived. Well, it's, you know, it's you not know, much of a complicated life. It's, my mother raised uh, eight children by herself and uh, we all grew up and my mom was a pretty good athlete. My mom was a great athlete in high school. She went to high school in El Paso. Texas, you know, she was basketball player, softball player, and swimmer. And she was, just, and I guess she ran in our genes. So coming up, you know, we got involved in sports. My whole family, girls and boys, we were all pretty good athletes. But you know, we grew up in a place, a Horseshoe Barrio, in the west side of San Jose, California, at Beaverack Park, which we turned into a thing called the Beaverack Zoo Animals, which is a bunch of families that grew up together in the Barrio there. The Fernandeses and the Dominguez's and the Tapias and the Orozco's, Jimenez's, the Rigos, the Segalas. You know, we had so many families that had boys and, and girls together. So we all competed in at the Beaverack Zoo or the Beaverack Park in our recreational activities. And we made up a team called the Beaverack Zoo Animals for football and baseball and basketball. And awesome. nobody could beat us. We're a bunch of competitive kids. And nobody, not the rival schools or all the other uh, schools around the area could ever beat us in uh, recreational activities. And, you know, I grew up uh, not only doing that, but my mom put us to work in the fields of California. That's why we moved from El Paso to California, because they had all the field tomatoes and stream beans and blooms and apricots. And we learned how to work at a very young age. My mom put us to work. So it was, you know, it was, it was cool growing up with eight brothers and sisters because we all got to play and work. And uh, stay close together. A lot of fun doing that stuff. So my mom brought us up working right off the back, but she was really strict about it. You know, you don't give respect. You don't get respect until you give respect, you know, and uh, stuff like that. But it was pretty cool growing up, learning how to play football and baseball, basketball. And later on, when I got into high school, I learned how to amateur wrestle pretty good, you know. So I basically, you know, I had a great childhood growing up, competing with everybody, getting a lot of fights. Because, you know, I was the oldest boy, and I had eight brothers and sisters, and you didn't mess with my brothers and sisters. So I learned how to fight real pretty good at a young age because of that. You know, my- I um, I had the, an experience, um, not not similar, but, but um, in a different way. I grew up in a tough area, and I had a younger brother, and... Uh, I learned how to fight too, because A, you had to, and B, there was nobody that was going to pick on my my younger brother unless they came through me. And I was I was a, a big guy. I was slow, but uh, usually if I could get the upper hand, uh, I could I could stay in control. And the one thing I, I want to say is, uh, as you're telling that story, um, you know, the sense of community that. Um, that existed back, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago is, uh, is missing a little bit today. Right. I mean, it's, is, uh, don't you feel like the world, uh, everybody's kind of off on their own journey and they're very, um, myopic in their view and, and they don't communities don't band together like they used to, like you were just sharing. No, no, it's, you know, that's the sad part. I look back on all these years. One of my buddies called me, from my Bebrack uh, Park days and told me that one of my guys I'd grown up with is dying of stage four cancer. He's on his last leg. And, and he was one of our best center fielders. And 
you know, we all, we all grew up not only playing and being together as families, we grew together all our lives. We stayed and we've all been together, still stay in touch with it all our lives. And that's something that doesn't happen today. If you could say that you can go back 50 years, back to 1967, 68, 69, 70, where all you grew up in, you know, the little barrio there, and all everybody still knows each other. We all still know each other's families. We all still call when something bad happens. It's, it's, it's not that way anymore. It's a sad part of life. It's yeah. sad that you can't go back and, and enjoy that past because a lot of these people don't have that past. Their past don't go more than maybe five, ten years, and, and it's done. It's, you know, there's not much of a history in their background, and that's pretty sad. Yeah, it, sounded, sad it sounds like you're, I mean, my parents kept us active as kids to keep us out of trouble, and sports was the way to do that, and it sounds like your mother did the same thing. You know, the more that you were out working and, and playing with other kids and, and being competitive, the less trouble that you could get into, right? Right, yeah. We didn't have much, much time to get in trouble. Once we uh, got out for summer, summer sets of uh, as soon as high school or uh, uh, junior high was out or elementary was out, we right away went picking in the fields. The apricots were blue, and we went to pick and cut apricots, and prunes were in, then the strawberries, and then, then the tomatoes. We didn't have much time to do anything. Then we get home and from the picking in the field, and we decided to go to the park and play some football or play some baseball. So you wore yourself out. By the time it was seven, eight o'clock at night, you had dinner and you were knocked out because you know you had to get up early night and go to work. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you didn't, have, you didn't have much time. I mean, I had time enough to get in fights and arguments with people, but outside of that, you didn't have much time to do anything else. <laughs> you were too tired. So, so you, you, uh, you le learned how to wrestle in high school and was that your entryway into pro wrestling? Is, uh, tell us about no, high no, school and. No and uh, no. the, the journey from there? No, not at all. No, I, I went on to play ball. My biggest okay. dream was to play in the NFL at least 10, 12 years. That was my biggest dream, you know. I had a great uh, high school and junior college career where I made JC All-American. I was great. I was recruited by almost every major college in, in football coming out of high school in 1973. Wow. But my mom got sick of diabetes, and, and I, would, I didn't want to leave home. I wanted to be near her. So I went to junior college and hey, great junior college in San Jose, you know. All my, you know what I've been blessed with my whole life? Every time I competed in sports, every team I was on won a championship, every single team. And in wow. fact, my wrestling team, when I got to learn to wrestle, my wrestling team, all the kids that I grew up in the body with, it was, uh, you know, we played sandlot football, beat the shit out of each other, doing that, tackling each other. Being, I mean, we were physical growing up. You learned to be physical growing up because you played sandlot football, and that was tough tackle football with no pads, you know. So all the guys that competed with me all grew up, and they all followed me playing football in high school, but they were all on the wrestling team, and they were all fantastic. They were all great state champions. They were all 95-pounders, 103-pounders. The 45, 35-pound, me at 191. I mean, we had to, the reason this team was undefeated for two years in wrestling in high school is because all the kids from the body were on the wrestling team. And they were already tough. <laughs> but no, wrestling had, wrestling had nothing to do with my life until 1977. That's, that, I went through uh, 20 different journeys. 
1977 um, was, I, tell, tell us that story. Well, I guess before we get there, before we get into pro wrestling, um, you know, talk to me about the, the journey ahead of that. Um, I, I understand you served in the, the military and, and that was part of your, your journey through life. Yeah, you know, uh, I stayed home. Uh, the bad thing about California at that time is the Vietnam War was going on. When I was in high school, uh, you know, early part of my junior and sophomore years and stuff like that, getting into my senior year, you know, I, the people in California, when there's peace movement and stuff like that, was so protesting and so against the military people that they would come home with service and everything. These people sit out there and spit on them and call them baby killers. And you see that on the news daily. And that used to really piss me off. And, you know, I going into my sophomore year at you know, San Jose City College, we won, we were number one junior college in the nation at that time. We were undefeated. And, and all that stuff was wearing on me, watching these people, stuff like that. So I played angry. That's the year I made All-American, but uh, I played so angry at these people reacting because my uncle, all my uncles fought in World War II. One of my uncles was in the Battle of Midway in the Navy, wow. and that was a horrific battle. You know, if you look at history, that was a hell of a battle for the U.S. Navy in, in World War II. So I had that in my background, and it just ate me up that I would see that, you know. And my mom was getting a little bit better, and I, and I went to my mom and said, Mom, I just don't want to do this no more. And she was so scared and upset. She goes, what do you mean? I don't want to play ball. I want to serve my country because of what these people are doing. I can't believe they're doing this to the soldiers that are coming back. And, you know, they went off from there and she, she finally agreed. And I told her, I just want to serve. And um, it was hard on her. It was hard on her because, you know, I was the oldest boy. And, and you know, she used to love to go watch me compete. And she, she never missed a sporting event in her life. She was always there in the stands with me, whether it was raining, snowing, sleeting, whatever, ice cold, hot, whatever. My mom was always in the stands, no matter what. You know, so that's Manny. that's what, one of my biggest incentives never to lose is knowing that my mom was there. <laughs> Manny, knowing well, yeah, exactly. And 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 that's I mean that that's a touching relationship. And knowing how close you were with your mother and um the emotions behind it. How does it make you feel? Um, and, and listen, we know uh, Jim Cornette says things to say things. He says things to get a reaction that it, it draws publicity to him. And I think that's part of his gimmick and part of his game, but it's got to hurt you in your soul when you have somebody like uh, Jim Cornette coming out and trying to, uh, you know, uh, paint you as uh, somebody that exaggerates. Look, Jim Cornette is about as manly as a cup of pa tapioca pudding. Okay, <laughs> so that's the first thing you got to look at. You got to look at where it's coming from, you know. And I did something very stupid when he posted out there about Stolen Valor, which really hurt me. Really, really hurt me. Destroyed me because I gave up my football career where I couldn't play the UCLA. Went and wrestled there and played football there. USC, all the Pac-10 schools back then. Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State. I had scholarships to play off from all of them to play after my junior college year. <clears throat> From a guy that tapioca pudding put together like that, it, I got so angry that I went and posted my DD-214 and my service connection saying my service in the Asian theater during Operation Enduring Win during the evac of Vietnam 
And my girl, my significant other, Melinda Rocha, works. She just went off on me. I mean, talk about getting, it would be like, if your mother was alive today, she would rip you a new one, dude. You don't have to prove to anybody what you have done. I got your medals right here on this wall. I put them up after you got so angry. I threw them in the trash. I threw my stuff in the trash. And she got took it out, and she was so angry at me that, that I did that. They posted my private life on Facebook. That she didn't want to talk to me for months. That I would be that stupid to let an idiot like that, <laughs> some guy's about as manly, like I said, a tapioca pudding. It, you know, it really upset that. It, made me, it opened my eyes to, to make me realize that you don't forget that you spent about three and a half months in prison because of people like him, because you went out to revenge on people like him, and you ended up with your freedom locked up and taken away and <laughs> in there with a bunch of real criminals. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and Manny, you, you know, I, I, I think that's, um, that's all deep in my heart because, you know, my, my regular career is as an executive and trying to, to grow people and mold people and develop them. And, you know, one thing that I, I try to teach people is don't take the bait uh, when, when somebody challenges you on something that you know is, is, is in your values, in your moral compass, and, and it's, it's, um, it's part of who you are. If somebody's challenging you and, and trying to take it away, let them, let them do that. Let delegitimize de it by not, by not reacting. Right. And, and that yeah. keeps you out of trouble. That's what she said. That's what she said. She goes, all these people that talk all about you all the time, they all say this and that they're all doing it on the, on the keyboard. They're all doing it miles and miles away. From you. Why do you let these people Get, get to you like that. They're not worthy. You know what you've accomplished. You know your things. You know you're in the high school Hall of Fame, junior college Hall of Fame. You know those of you, you got a championship ring in West Texas State. You know what you accomplished. What do you got to prove to anybody? And, and, and you know, she was 100% right. And that's where I learned about Bruce, to tell you the truth, that's when I, I started turning to my Catholic religion and started praying harder and started. And to, to this day, people like that, like we talked about, I pray for them. I pray for them because I don't ever want to be that evil person again because I know what I do to them. You know, yeah. it, wouldn't be it wouldn't be pretty and it wouldn't be pretty for me. I so think it's not worth it. So you mentioned uh, spending some time in prison, spending some time behind bars. Give me, uh, as people may not know, and, and again, you know, share what you're comfortable, but what what happened that led to that and, and what'd you learn from it? Well, you know, it's, the anger that you build up inside of yourself because you let other idiots get to you. I used to be such an angry person because, you know, basically I was so unhappy with myself that I let other people get to me. And then they made me so angry to the point where, oh, you want to talk about me? I'll go find you. I'll go find you. And when I find you, you're gonna, I promise you, it ain't going to be perfect. <laughs> so stuff like that got me, you know, and, and it, I got locked up for it, you know. That anger and get taking it out, that aggression on people. You can't just go and destroy people and expect no consequence because that's not going to happen. That's not the law. <laughs> you know, you got to live in reality. And reality is if you go destroy something and destroy people, you're going to get in trouble for it. And that's basically what it was. You know, that's Manny, what I learned. When, 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 you're, when you're in prison behind bars and, um, you know, obviously you have some name recognition, people, 
uh, especially wrestling fans might know who you are. Does that, does that put a bullseye around you or people more likely or less likely to uh, pick a fight with the person that's been on TV? I'm going to tell you a real funny story. And I really appreciate that. My, my, I got a guy I called my brother, George Rodriguez out of El Paso, Texas. And we grew up kind of together. He was a hell of an amateur wrestler too. And he has a lot of pull in El Paso. He's one of the toughest guys I know. One of the toughest guys I know. I mean, people think I'm tough. This guy's right there with me. I mean, he's right there with me. He had a lot of influence in that time where I got locked up at. So, but the funny part about that, all, all the cons or the guys inside with me, the inmates, uh, they all kind of knew the influence I had behind me. So not too many people messed with me. But the greatest thing was the guards. The guards would sit behind there and watch me on video. They, would, <laughs> they were watching me on video. So it was kind of cool. The guards were real cool with me. Hey, Mr. Fernandez, come here. Come here, bro. Come here. You're a little bit older than these guys. We'll give you this. We'll give you this. So I got kind of taken care of pretty good. It's that for one time, uh, some guy wanted to tax me. You know, they tax me. In prison, if you're eating and, and you're, somebody thinks they can bully you, they're going to tax you on this, tax you on that. The guy wanted to tax my breakfast. He wanted, I said, what do you mean tax me? I'm taking your breakfast today. You're not eating today. I said, you picked on the wrong old man, dude. Oh, boy. <laughs> I did get in trouble for that. I got put in isolation to beat him up. I be, actually, I wrestled him to the ground and beat the shit out of him. So I, I more or less wrestled him to the ground, then I beat the shit out of him. But I ended up in, in isolation, which was funny because I kind of liked it in there. It was cool. It was by myself. You know, I was in there 22 hours a day for a week. And then basically when the guards, the guards, like I said, they were, they already knew I was and they were watching videos. So they'd come in and check on me and say, you need, we got an extra cup of pudding or you want it? Sure, dude. You know, it it was cool. It was cool. And when my time came up, I actually asked them, hey, dude, can I, can you guys leave me here another week? Yeah, you know, for me, I have such uh, claustrophobia and, and anxiety. I'm not sure how I would do in a small, uh, a small locked area where I, I can't uh, really see to the outside. It, it, is there any windows? Does, is there anything that, yeah. that gives you any, uh, any hope? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bro, I had a TV that would go right into my cell. And the cell wasn't that, that, that small, but it wasn't that big. But the TV looked right into my cell. And the guys would come in and see how I was doing. And they go, hey, Mr. do you want to watch a football game? Do you want to watch something else? Nice. Sure, man. You know, I mean, they, they, I, I enjoyed it except for having my significant uh, other come and visit me and, and get mad at me and call me a convict. No, you're in here, you're a convict. That what you want to be, a convict? <laughs> she tore me up, man. But you made it she through. You're me. a stronger person because of it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like I said, it, it, it awakened my spirits and my faith in God. You know, that, hey, hey, if you're going to be this stupid, you'll be here for the rest of your life. Your freedom, you'll be locked up like a damn animal. You'll have no freedom for nothing. So, you know, uh, it, 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 was a, it was a rude, but it was an awakening, you know, and a real awakening in my life. And, then, you know, it's like I say, nowadays, you get me angry, I just get walk away and pray. The, the, yeah. yeah. The good, uh, 
that's good advice for, I mean, honestly, that's good advice for, for anybody <laughs> listening that, that may deal with anger from time to time. This is a good time to take a short break. We'll be back on the other side. This is the debut episode of No BS with the Bull, the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, right here on the VOC Nation Wrestling Network. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. No BS with the bull, the raging bull, Manny Fernandez, right here exclusively on the VOC Nation wrestling network we're going to get a t-shirt up on the uh, voc nation shirt store for manny so check to uh, vocnation.com check the shirt button and you'll see that up there very soon and you can support manny and the show by buying uh that shirt so uh i'm excited manny we're gonna we're gonna sell a lot of shirts you're gonna be the top shirt seller on the voc nation (laughs) (laughs) leaderboard remember um there's a lot of great programming here on voc nation uh besides this one you have uh no uh wrestling with history featuring bill after and ken resnick uh that drops every wednesday in the room with uh pro wrestling illustrators brady hicks and 
former WCW star, the maestro uh, drops on Tuesdays. And uh, real quick, while we're on that, you worked with Rob Kellum, the maestro uh, in, uh, in the independent circuit, didn't you, Manny? Oh God. Wonderful guy. Great guy. Fantastic guy. I mean, this is (laughs) Rob Kellum. And for some other reason, people started this feud, this make-believe feud. And I really didn't know Rob Kellum. I didn't know who he was or anything like that. And so I asked people, what are you guys talking about? Well, something happened in an independent show that a guy that was trained by Rob did something. And I straightened the guy out and he went running back to Rob Kellum and they got word out that Rob Callen is pissed off and he's coming to look for revenge on Manny Fernandez. So I'm like, okay, I don't even know this guy. You know, people say, well, he's the maestro. So I still don't know. I don't watch wrestling. So, you know, I ended up doing a show in West Virginia with a guy named Rob Parsons. We did a show and he got me wrestling Rob Callen. So I said, oh, cool. We'll find out. So, you know, everybody thinks it's going to be a big shoot. And... <laughs> Rob Callen, it turns out to be one hell of a worker. We went out there and sold the show. I mean, we had so much fun, unbelievable fun. We had a great match, what I consider a great match, with somebody I never really knew got in the ring with. And, and, you know, it was just as tight as you can get, just as believable. And almost, it almost probably looked like a shoot to some people, but he was great. He was fantastic. And we've been close ever since. You know, we're not, we're not. After the match, we went out back and talked about it, and we laughed our heads off. <laughs> He's the uh, the nephew of uh, Gorgeous George. Yes, yes, yep. I, I knew that. So you got you got Maestro, who also does a WCW retro show on Thursdays. Uh, West Briscoe drops on the weekends. West Briscoe and Big Ace uh, on the VOC Nation Wrestling Network. So lots of great stuff. Uh, Shelly Martinez, Sassy Steffi. Make sure you go to vocnation.com. Follow VOC Nation on Twitter and on uh, your any social platform that you can find. Manny, uh, we started. Uh, we kind of jumped around about your your background today as as we introduce uh, some of the newer fans to you and we'll get more into your wrestling career as we go on in the weeks but you you know you mentioned your mother was very important to you and i think um people should understand that relationship a little bit more uh during the break we talked a little bit about how focused she was on education and um how dedicated she was to your family so talk to us a little bit about how hard she was on on you and your your siblings growing up well, the bottom line is, you know, nowadays everybody talks about single parents, but nobody remembers that back in the 70s and 60s, there was single parents. There were some parents who raised their kids by themselves, and it was a lot harder then because, you know, uh, the, the salaries weren't that high back in them days. If you had a household of eight children, you know, you had to be pretty smart. My mom was educated on Paso, Texas, and Slater High, and then went to Texas Western and graduated there. And, uh, she was really skilled in uh, income tax, immigration reform, and paralegal. And But she was at uh, elementary school and, in fact, taught her first three daughters. My oldest three sisters were in her, uh, thank God I wasn't, were in her second grade class, you know. But my mom was really stricter about uh, education. That was her number one priority. That's why I have a family of very well-educated brothers and sisters, but... My mom told me if I wanted to play sports in high school and anywhere else, if I didn't have a B average, I wouldn't play one down. I didn't have to worry about football coaches 
sitting me down, that she would jerk me from the game. So I was really had to get a 2.0 all the time in high school and stuff. And the only game, I, I'll tell you the truth, the only game I ever missed is when I got a C in history. And my mom took me off the football, the travel bus. She came on and said, nope, you're getting off this bus. And coach Cesario, my football coach, was like, Miss Fernandez, oh, okay. <laughs> he, he wasn't going to lose. He didn't win that argument. Put it yeah. that way. He wasn't <laughs> going over in that fight. No, he wasn't going over at all. I was getting off that bus one way or another. My mom didn't play around. She was pretty strict, you know. And she was one of those mothers that wasn't afraid to use that belt. You know, nowadays you use a belt and you get in trouble. Back then, she used a belt and <laughs> you remember that. I don't care how old you were. Times. She was a good mom, man. She fought, she kept her kids together and we all played sports and all did great, fantastic. My, my my little brother David, one of the twins, so I had, we had twin boys and twin girls in our family, and they all played sports. And uh, one of my other little brothers, uh, uh, David, he followed me and was STAL champion in uh, high school wrestling like me. He was a two-time champ like me at STL and we played and wrestled for Coach Buzzlich there at Lincoln, which we had a dual meet record of 46-0. and 0. Nobody had beaten us in years. We were that good. You know, but wow. and the other brother Hector, the other twin, was one heck of a daggone pitcher, and he was drafted out of high school by the Montreal Expos. Nice. So you know, yeah. And my sisters all played softball and great softball players. They still play to this day. They're still good at softball. But you know, we were all athletes because of my mom. But I kept us out of trouble unless I got in a fight. <laughs> Which is commonly known at Lincoln High School. <laughs> so you come back from the service and you find yourself uh, in this professional wrestling game. So, uh, and I think that's where we'll we'll kind of uh, end this week. Is tell us how you got, you found yourself in the uh, the professional wrestling genre. What happened? Well, no, I came back from uh, my service in my country after the theater in Vietnam, I came back and I went through some hard times. I had just hard times dealing with some issues. And I went and moved to El Paso, Texas and moved next to my mom, moved in with my mom. And she was helping me try to get through this crisis that I was going through. And uh, she went behind my back and found out that one of the offensive line coaches that recruited me to play at UCLA got a job, was hired, at West Texas State University, which I knew nothing about. I knew, I knew that they got a new football coach from uh, Baylor University, uh, Grant staff, um, staff and uh, Grant Taft staff, and he was a great coach, but he hired Joe DeLuca as a line coach. So my mom went behind my back and called his coach and told him that I was in El Paso. I was having a hard time, but, you know, I'd like to see if he'd get me back involved in football. So she called behind my back and I went out there and he called me, had a conversation with him. I told him, Hey, I haven't played in years. I don't think I can play again. I've been through a lot. And he said, look, give it a try. Use your GI bill. You got the GI bill. Come on, walk on, see you outside. At least give it a try. Don't give up on yourself. So I did, you know, I gave it that try. Uh, went to withdraw myself to West Texas state and, you know, got to use the GI bill. And, try to shoot up to play ball, which I hadn't done in almost four years, you know, and uh, it was kind of weird. It was kind of weird, but 
I almost didn't ever stay in West Texas State because that back then I had a habit of sleeping with a 45 under my pillow. And the first, <laughs> the first time I got into the dorm, <laughs> you know, they, everybody thinks you're an incoming freshman. All the seniors think you're an incoming freshman. So, you know, the first night in your dorm, they're going to pull a rib on you. They're going to go do something to you. And in my case, you're going to try to tie my toes together with dental floss. Oh, boy. By the time they started to do that, and I raised up that gun from the pillow, and their eyeballs got big as silver dollars. <laughs> I almost got kicked out of West Texas State before I got started. <laughs> I'm imagining this this hardened person coming back from war and you know, they look at you as a regular freshman and here's this yep. uh, 19 or 20 year old kid coming in to mess with the freshman. And, you know, he stares into uh big Manny Fernandez and his 45. Yeah. Barrel of a 45. I was only about 260 pounds. Then, but it was a barrel of 45 that got him. But, you know, uh, coach Luca had to sit down with me and coach Bill Young and, Oh, hey, look, this guy just got back from uh, service overseas in Vietnam, and uh, you got to spend. There may be, in other words, they maybe shipped the gun home, which I did. Shipped the gun home, and then we, then we started again. But no, nobody messed with me then. Everybody wanted to be my buddy. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And and I think you said when you, you got into wrestling from that experience, uh, at West Texas State, you were in uh, in a bar and, and you met Dick Murdoch. Is that how it happened? No, no, we were at football. Oh, football. And then, and then it all started with a guy named Kelly Kaninsky. Okay. Gene Kaninsky. Gene It all started because Kelly Kaninsky was our second string center. And by the time I was the first string offensive guard, you know, at West Texas State, uh, our, our starting center, Whetstone, had bad knees. So we kept him out of scrimmages and practice. Well, Kelly Kaninsky was so pigeon-toed that his first snap of the ball, he'd always step on my pinky toe. With him, you know, back then they had those metal cleats, not these rubber crabs. They had those metal cleats, and man, did that hurt! And one thing that Coach Young couldn't stand was cussing. If you cussed on, even if you said "damn," you had to do bear crawls. So every time Kelly Kaninsky would step on my toe. I beat him upside the head and start F you no good F and die, you Fernandez bear crawl. So I was basically the bear crawl king of West Texas state. Cause I did bear crawls every day because of my cousin, but that's how Kelly related that information to Dick Murdoch. Dick Murdoch was, you know, big booster at West Texas state along with Terry Funk. They're big backers of the West Texas state program. And they would always come to practices and, to the games and stuff like that. So Kelly was would mention my name to Murdoch. It's crazy guy. So Murdoch would show up in practices every now and then, you know. And, and he had this big old goose goose down coat, big red goose down coat, big tall six foot four, six foot five guy. Buggy, I called him buggy whipped arms. He had buggy whipped arms, and and you know he would just hang around there, and he would always sit there. So. Eventually, you know, we kind of got introduced by Kelly and he would just watch him play. And, and it went from there, you know, our relationship grew to, to where he thought I was crazy. Because, you know, we go to bars and hang out and have a beer. Somebody says something stupid. I'd end up punching him in the face and he would go tell Terry and them, oh, go to this crazy kid. 
<laughs> the kid ain't afraid enough, you know. So yeah, it started there. Started there. It, that's it, uh, it, that's... it, it, it kind of it kind of hurts me. It hits real close place in my heart because I lost Dickie at a very young age. Dickie had the harder thing, you know. Dickie was a true believer, and Dickie had never trained anybody in his life. He never got anybody in the business, and he decided, like he said, hey. I'm taking my Mexican and I'm going to make him a star. This is my Mexican kid. And it, it, that didn't offend me because I knew he was saying it in love and just hard love, you know, hard yeah, love is good love. I mean, for everybody listening, I mean, there's plenty out there and we covered it in uh, the, the wrestling with history that you did with uh, Bill after and I, there's plenty out there that says that Dick Murdoch is uh, a raging racist. And I think Dusty Rhodes said uh said that at some point but you didn't have that experience no i did not i had nothing but positive experience with dickie you never had a problem with dickie dickie and i were very close that's the hard part you know it's like i said you know dickie was one day he was there come out from japan and we were having fun and then i went off and did my thing and next thing i know i heard that dickie passed he had a heart attack and carried oh. him on the chair trying to pull his boot up. I guess he was had a heart attack when he was pulling his boot up. But you know, no, I never experienced anything of any well about it. Because nobody else has told me about anything like that about Dickie. Yeah, Dick Murdoch, uh, 50 years old when he passed, uh, very young, uh, born August 16th, 1946, died June 15th, 1996. So left us uh way too young. Manny, I think uh, that sets the stage. Uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about, you know, your entry into the NWA, where you achieved big fame all the way into the 80s. Um, you know, you doing some things after that independently and overseas in Japan. We'll talk about stories behind the scenes. That's what VOC Nation does. We take wrestling fans behind the scenes are the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. So we'll go behind the scenes. We'll get into stories you have with um, some of the people that everybody idolized growing up. And uh, I think you have some fun stories that you can share. And uh, I think people are going to love listening to you every week, Manny. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I'm going to enjoy talking about the people I care about, the people that made this business great the people that gave me the opportunity to take this business to another level and then take myself to that. But I owe it to the business and the people that got me into the business. So I truly appreciate you that you've given me an opportunity in the past to talk about been gotten. Well, we're honored you chose this vehicle to, to tell your story. If you have a question for Manny Fernandez, you want us to work it into future shows, tweet at VOC Nation with the, hatch, the hashtag no BS. So very simple, tweet at, at VOC Nation, hashtag no BS. Or you can email Bruce at VOCNation.com and we'll get your, your questions mixed in. Uh, we have uh, a premium tier coming up on VOC Nation that we're going to launch in the coming weeks. And uh, those people will have uh, premium or uh, priority access to questions. That's it for this week with no BS with the bull, Raging Bull Manny Fernandez uh, for the Raging Bull. Uh, my name is the voice of choice, Bruce Wirt. We'll be back next Friday right here worldwide in the VOC Nation Wrestling Network.